Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative Podcast, the only podcast out there that mixes PGA Tour golf betting tips each week, along with a playlist of the best alternative music out there that you can listen to after the episode on Spotify. My name is Martin Matthews, and you can find me on Twitter at Sundog Monkey for those of you who don't know me. And you can also follow me on the Alternative Golf Podcast. So Without further ado, let's dive straight into a brief recap of last week's event, the Sony Open. Now, um, I've got to be honest, I missed the last nine holes because I went to bed. So uh, from our point of view, we were on board with uh, four picks last week and they all played solidly. Kevin Kisner did the business for us coming home in third place and it all got a little bit interesting and I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to stop and watch this. I've got a busy day today, obviously, in the UK here. Hawaii's on at God knows silly o'clock. So I was thinking, I'm not going to start and watch this. And then Kiz decides to come out the blocks and birdie the first three holes, which starts um, me thinking, okay, maybe he could produce something and do the business here. Uh, unfortunately, his putter then went cold through the rest of the way through the back nine, and it started to look like a two-horse race. Um, I should say the front nine, sorry, for Kiz. Uh, and it starts to look like a two-horse race between Hideki and Henley. So... I went to bed and missed the drama of the back nine. So I've obviously read up on it today and seen a few recaps. So uh, Henley, you have to feel sorry for him. He was, what, five shots in front at one point, and he didn't do a lot wrong, but then he didn't make any birdies on the back nine. Uh, he had a 10-footer to win on the 18th, and um, when that didn't go down, I think the writing was on the wall. Hideki obviously played an incredible back nine to, to close the gap and make the birdies he needed, uh, and I believed he stiffed his three-wood to about three feet on the first playoff hole to make eagle. So, um, yeah, so Hideki, I mean, he's gone from, I mean, obviously he was a serial winner, of course, but uh, he had that long gap uh, without finding the winner's enclosure until uh, he landed the green jacket. And unlike some players who land their first major and then have a little bit of a slow period afterwards, he's kicked on. That's two wins now and uh, sky's the limit for him this year. So, yeah, um, congratulations to Hideki. Uh, commiserations to Henley and uh, Russell Henley and all his backers. Um, I wasn't overly keen on him going into yesterday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I also write a column for Sporting Life on a Sunday morning, uh, previewing the final round. Uh, so you can also find that uh, on Sunday uh, if you're looking for my other written stuff. And I wasn't overly keen on Henley going into yesterday's final round. His record when in front isn't great of late. Um, I think until he won this very event or since he won this very event, I should say back in 2013 on his first full start as a PGA member, he hasn't um, been able to close out from in front. Uh, most recent occasion had been the Wyndham Championship last August, where he let a three-shot lead slip. So I wasn't overly keen on him going into yesterday. To be honest, I wasn't overly keen on Hideki. Um, and I wasn't overly keen on him going into the week, so I'll hold my hands up on that. But I didn't know he was going to suddenly putt like Ben Crenshaw. So that's what you can get with um, poor putters when they have a great putting week. So, yeah. Um, congratulations to Hideki. Um, commiserations to Russell Henley. I'm sure his time will come again soon. He's too good a player for it not to. Uh, and um, yeah, once he gets another win, you know, he may well add another another couple fairly quickly. But um, yeah, at the moment, obviously, that's going to be a tough one for him to get over. Our first song for the week is going to be in honour of 
Hideki. And um, I'm going to go right back to 1982 for the title track of the debut album by the Cocteau Twins, uh, Garlands. And um, those of you who know the Cocteau Twins, uh, rather bizarrely in their debut album, I think Liz Fraze was actually singing proper words in this song and maybe on this album before uh, she got her unique style as... Um, time went on uh so from the 1982 album garlands uh the title track of that album by the cocteau twins obviously in honor of hideki sporting his garland uh after his win last night uh which uh mrs sundog tells me are actually called lays in hawaii uh, she says it's spelled l-e-i-s but i wouldn't quote me on that or quote her on that uh but i'll be calling it a garland and uh it's garlands by the cocteau twins for our first song of the week so moving on to this week and we are off to cali to california we've had our fortnight in hawaii and we head now to the desert the coachella valley the palm springs area for what was known for many years as the bob hope classic and i think those of us who are a bit longer in the tooth will always know it as the bob hope classic used to be one of the highlights on tour back in the day of bob hope i mean it's been on tour since 1960 i think uh, over the more recent years, it uh, of course, it lost that moniker and it's struggled to hold down a decent field over the far more recent years. Yeah, gone through a couple of different sponsors. And um, now, uh, in 2019, American Express came on board for a long-term sponsorship deal. Uh, I think prior to that, it was without a sponsor, which was the Desert Classic, and then it was the Humana before that. But uh, yeah, American Express have come on board. Phil Mickelson is the host. So hopefully the event is starting to sort of pick up its um, mojo again, shall we say. Three courses in play this week, and the important thing to note is it is a Pro-Am event. Uh, we have a couple of these around this time of year. Uh, Pebble Beach coming up in a couple of weeks or a few weeks' time when we'll be treated to the likes of Bill Murray, etc. Um, not quite such a star-studded celebrity event this week, but it's a pro-am event uh, played over the three courses. Last year, there were only two courses in play uh, due to the COVID pandemic. The amateurs didn't get their day in the sun last year, uh, or the three days in the sun, and it was just played across two courses, uh, professionals only. Uh, this year, we're back to the old um, tried and tested three courses. Uh, the three courses in play are the stadium course, which is the host course, and you'll have two rounds played on that. Uh, that's a Pete Dye design, and I'll come back to it in a second. Um, you have the Nicholas Tournament course, which is obviously a Jack Nicholas course, and then you have La Quinta, which is uh, a long-standing course staple diet of this event for many, many years. The stadium course, the host course, as I say, it's a Pete Dye design, and that will be played on the final day when it's pros only. Over the first three days, the pros rotate around with their amateur partners, the one round on each of the three different courses. So looking at the three courses, they're all 7,000 to 7,200 yards. They're all par 72s. And um, historically, La Quinta is the easiest of the three. But even last year without La Quinta in the roster, uh, three rounds on the stadium course. We had similar scoring for the tournament as a whole, sort of in the minus 20 unders. So, yeah, it's um, particularly with obviously the easier pin positions, um, the green's not sped up, of course, for the amateurs over the first three days. 
unless the wind blows, which is not particularly forecast to do this week, we're looking at another birdie fest. Um, looking at this week's forecast, we've got sunshine, possibly some 10 to 15 mile an hour wind somewhere. Uh, I always say keep an eye on that as the week goes on because that could change. But basically, I think we're looking at, as I say, another birdie fest. All three courses feature Bermuda greens, um, and I'll touch on that again in a little little while when I'm talking about uh, the history of the event. From a correlating course point of view, we need to look at other peak dye designs. First and foremost, TPC Sawgrass. Uh, those of you who follow me and have followed me for a while will know that last year I latched on to the fact that we had um, three rounds on the stadium course with the, the change I just mentioned, which obviously lent more of an emphasis on that Pete Dyer link. And we jumped on board with Siwoo Kim, uh, who, of course, we know is a sawgrass specialist, and he reaped the dividends for us handsomely. So, so that's certainly an angle... Um, links across Pete Dye. Uh, you can look at um, someone like Doug Gim, who played well at here last year and also played well at Sawgrass as another example of a player who who's taken to, to, to you know, both, both tracks and Pete Dye. If, if you look at, so they do tend to do it across the week, they'll show some pictures of um, the stadium course sort of almost mirroring the, um, uh, the the sawgrass design, and there's a lot of similarities. So you're looking at your Pete Dye courses, sawgrass, uh, TPC River Highlands, Hilton Heads, uh, the other Hilton Head, the other obvious two used on on tour. Um, you could also look at Memorial for the Jack Nicholas link. I know there's only one round on the Nicholas course, but uh, it's noticeable that Jason Duffner and David Lingmurth uh, fought out the title here a few years back, and um, they are both winners over um, the not-too-distant past at um, Memorial at Jack's Place as well. Uh, of course, you can also look at Rams, a winner, both, but um, uh, I wouldn't so much put too much stall with that because he can win anywhere, and Cantlay's played well at both, but again, similarly. But uh, when you're looking at uh, Duffner and Lingmurth, then there's a bit of a link there. Uh, otherwise, Desert Events is another good angle to go down. Uh, the three obvious desert events to uh, draw a comparison with from the point of view of players who like to play in the desert are uh, Phoenix uh, for the waste management, which comes up in a few weeks' time, uh, the Shriners, which we get at the back end of the year in Vegas, and then the Stapleford event, the Barracuda, uh, which is played um, uh, as an opposite field event around uh, late July, something like that. So uh, look at your desert courses. Uh, look at your peak die courses, and they're both good pointers. So before we move into a brief summary of the betting market and then straight uh, into the event history and the picks, uh, another song. And as I said, we're going into the valley. So it's got to be Into the Valley by the Skids. And um, the Skids featured Richard Jobson turned into TV presenter and the late Stuart Adamson, who went on to be the lead singer of Big Country before he tragically passed away just um, on 20 years ago. Now, actually, it's the 20th anniversary before Christmas. So um, the skids uh, were the um, uh, forerunner to Big Country from Stuart Adamson's point of view and uh, were a new wave band in the late 70s and they had their classic song into the valley uh, so we're going into the valley this week so it's into the valley by the skids looking at the betting market this week and it's uh 
two players dominating the markets. We have John Rahm, who is a former winner here. Uh, he's available at 13 to 2, and that's the best price you'll get. And then we have Patrick Cantlay at 9 to 1, and that's the best price you'll get there. Uh, they are the dominant players this week. It's pretty much, well, whatever you like the rest. We've got Scheffler at 18s, Sung Jm at 20s, Corey Connors at 22s are the next three, but um, it would be a brave ban to predict that uh, either Ram or Car- Cantley can't win uh, and or won't win. And, um, of course, they can win, but to predict that they won't win. I'm not backing them myself this week, personally, because I'm, I'm not really one to uh, steam into a 13-2 to two shot, uh, particularly when you've got a 9-1 to one shot who could quite easily beat him. So um, I'm going against them this week, but more with a view of looking at the fill each way market. To be honest, I would not be surprised at all if one of these landed the trophy. They both played well at uh, the century. They're both primed to prime to go this week. Cantley shot 61 in the final round last year to nearly Rob Siwu. So uh, he's obviously more than comfortable here. And we know Ram is as well. So um, yeah, uh, they're the dominant players in the market this week and in the field. Looking at the history of the event, and we only really need to go back to 2016 uh, because that's when the stadium course came into the rotation and anything prior to that probably isn't uh, worth too much consideration. So looking at six winners since 2016, we have uh, Jason Duffner, Hudson Swafford, John Rahm, Adam Long, Andrew Landry and Siwoo last year. And the first thing that strikes me about all of those six players is the one thing they had in common is they had all made a start on the calendar year already. Uh, Quite a lot of people, of course, or quite a lot of players, uh, skipped Hawaii, weren't in the century, didn't bother to go over to Honolulu. So we've got quite a few players making their um, calendar year debut this week. And I would be wary of those players. History tells us that we are looking for someone who's knocked the rust off um, either most likely last week at the uh, Sony or, of course, at the Century the week before, in the case of Rahm and Cantlay. Um, Of those six winners, five of them had played the Sony. Uh, The odd one out is Rahm, who had played the Century. Um, So we've got a precedent there for what he did. He actually... Came second uh, when he won here. He came second at the century. So, as I say, we've got um, a bit of um, potential history repeating itself there. Um, Duffner and Swafford had both um, sort of telegraphed their win with uh, a ninth place and a 13th place, um, respectively, at the Sony. Uh, as I say, Ram had come second at the century. Um, Siwu last year had a solid warm-up at the Sony of 25th. And as I say, it was all, you know, systems go from a Pete Dyer point of view with him last year. The other two, Adam Long and Andrew Landry, uh, goes to show that there is hope for the long shots here. And um, yeah, uh, they were any price you like and in horrendous form. So um, yeah, uh, gives hope for anyone backing someone who's uh, missed a bunch of cuts and is uh, a decent three-figure odds this week, which is um, where I'm certainly going with uh, one or two of my picks. So yeah, um, Landry and Long giving the long shots hope. But uh, the one thing in common, as I say, is they had all teed it up. So whilst we could be looking at a sort of a, a Scheffler to get his debut or maiden win, uh, 
I would be wary because uh, he's not stuck a tea peg in the ground yet uh, in anger this this year, and that historically would put him at a bit of a disadvantage. The other thing that's come clearly out of the historical trends here since 2016 is, uh, again, in keeping with the Pete Dye link, it has become more of a ball strikers event. I mean, Duffner and Swafford leap off the page on that basis. Rahm is, of course, um, very strong on the ball striking front. Uh, Landry is best known for, as a Tita Green player. Uh, and um, Adam Long in the season, he shocked everyone and won this. Uh, his best stats by far were from Tita Green. Uh, you can also look at some of the players who have featured in the frame here over recent years. Uh, Abraham Ants has played really well here. Scheffler, as I mentioned, um, Sam Burns has played well here. Uh, before he, you know, turned the player he is now. And um, Sepp Straka, who I'll be coming on to later, uh, has also played well here and, again, is also known as a really solid ball striker. So um, I'm looking at, uh, at players who have that sort of um, Duffner-Swafford-type sort of um, uh, game this week, potentially. So, yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier the greens are Bermuda greens, and... Quite important because you would think as we get over to California that we're looking at um, the Cali guys producing the goods. Uh, whereas with the Bermuda, that hasn't necessarily been the case here over the over the recent years. Um, in the past five years, I believe there have only been five guys who could be seen as proper West Coast through and through guys um, who have made the frame. Uh, and they are Phil, Phil Nicholson, uh, Cantlay last year. Uh, Jamie Lovemark, Brendan Steele, and uh, Kevin Nahr is obviously a Vegas man as well. Um, they've all made the frame, but uh, otherwise we've been looking at um, guys with links to uh, the southern eastern states. Um, again, obviously the winners we've talked about, Landry's a Texas um, man, Siwoo's based in Texas, uh, Swafford, uh, Georgia, um, Duffner, I believe, Alabama um, originally, so... Um, yeah, so we're not. Uh, don't think California. Think West Coast. Um, still think. Uh, still have an East Coast mindset. Um, that'll change as the weeks go. The next few weeks, as we get more into the sort of uh, other California events, but um, still have your East Coast mindset on, as it were, this week. So before we get into the picks, we will have another song and we will have um, a song for Cali called Cali by Ride. Uh, anyone who knows anything about my music taste knows I'm a big Ride fan. Um, if you're not familiar with Ride, they were around in the early 90s. Um, a forerunner, if you like, almost to uh, the likes of Oasis on Creation Records, although not quite the same style. Um, split up. Uh, reformed. Um, one of the members actually went on to be a member in Oasis for several years, Andy Bell, uh, reformed and um, released an album in, I'll stand corrected in this, in about 2016 called The Weather Diaries. And this song is on that album. It's called Cali and it's a, a great tune. And um, yeah, you can picture the sort of California uh, beaches and coast um, in this song. So uh, it's uh, Cali by Ride. So moving into this week's picks, and we are going to go first off the bat with Russell Knox. And I've alluded to the fact that I'm looking at ball strikers 
um, this week. And uh, Russell Knox is certainly in that um, ilk. And I'm going to go one point each way on Russell Knox at 70 to 1. And um, that's fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, Paddy Power and Betfair, uh, 66s with Sky and Corals. Uh, there was 100 to 1 available earlier with Betfred for seven places, uh, but unfortunately that's gone now. So um, for eight places, it's 70 to 1 for Russell Knox. Um, his, so what's leading me to Russell Knox this week? His finish last week at the Sony, uh, where he came home in seventh, is his best finish since uh, seventh place last year at Pebble Beach. And that in itself, of course, is a sort of um, a sign that would uh, give us an alert to the fact that he's hopefully turning the corner. Uh, his ball striking, which has never really, you know, his, his approach play, which has never, never really gone away, even when he's been struggling over the last few years was uh, on song last week. He was 10th in approach play. He was 8th from tee to green. He was 10th in accuracy um, and 5th in good old-fashioned greens in regulation. So a lot of things clicked for Russell Knox last week. He made 12 birdies over the weekend and only one bogey. So, you know, he he stepped on the gas over the weekend uh, to push up into 7th place. And it looks like he is gradually getting back to, you know, possibly becoming the player he was uh, when he landed uh, his two titles back in fifteen sixteen, I believe it was. Um, his first win, of course, came in the WGC out in China. And then he followed that up with a win the following year at TPC River Highlands um, in the Travellers. And that, as we've already said is the course that we should be correlating for this week from the Pete Dyer point of view. So uh, it looked like he was going to push on, but then it all went, as it often does for players, it all just went um, pear-shaped. Basically, he was consistent for a while and then gradually lost that. Um, 2020 was horrible for him after the lockdown. He was all over the place. And um, he only really started to get things back together um, during the course of of last year when, as I say, he posted that seventh, but uh, he was still very up and down. But um, the signs are a little bit more positive. Um, he played solidly at the back end of last season on a couple of occasions, at the back of the last year, I should say, on a couple of occasions. And he's come out this week and or last week and delivered the seventh place at the Sony. And he should arrive here in positive spirits because um, apart from that performance, of course, this is a venue that he has played well at um, or venues he's played well at. Uh, even while he's been struggling, he's played here four times um, over the last uh, last four years. Um, so four visits, if you like, in this course rotation. And he's posted 16th, 37th, 18th and 29th. So we know even when he's not been on song, he can play well here. It clicked last weekend. And, you know, when I think Jason Duff and I think Hudson Swafford, I think Russell Knox, you know, he he goes hand in glove with those kind of kind of names. So to me, he's someone that um, he got the right warm-up we're looking for. And um, I'm confident he can move on up this week. So. Um, 
on that basis, we'll have a song for Russell, and it will be moving on up. Um, Russell, of course, although he's lived for many, many years out in the States and has that sort of slightly strange Scottish-American accent, he, of course, is a Scot born and bred, and um, we'll have some primal scream in honour of uh, his fellow countryman Bobby Gillespie. And moving on up from Primal Scream's 1991 seminal album, Screamadelica. So, yeah. Russell Knox, our first pick. Second this week, uh, I'm going to try Hayden Buckley at 125 to 1. So what you're starting to see, and I alluded to this earlier, is yes, of course, John Rowan, Patrick Cantlay could be fighting this out come Sunday afternoon quite easily. And from that point of view, whilst the likes of Corey Connors at 20 to 1 made some appeal based on his performance last week, I would much rather chance my arm on the three-figure odds um, players and thereabouts this week on the basis that uh, if Raman Cantlay are um, battling this out and Hayden Buckley can uh, sneak in home at uh, seventh place outright, then that'll do us at 125 to 1 and um, it'll be a nice profitable week. So Hayden Buckley, uh, one point each way, 125 to one, fifth of the odds, first eight, um, with Paddy Power and Betfair. Um, Hayden Buckley is a player who's already done us a huge favour this season, actually. Those who follow my written column will know we were on board at the Sandersons back in uh, the fall where he finished fourth. Uh, and that finish is sort of symptomatic of the fact that. Uh, he really has hit the ground running. Uh, it's um, he, It only took him one season, really, on full season on the Corn Ferry to get uh, get his card. He posted a victory, and um, he's not looked back since he joined the PGA Tour. Fourth at the Sandersons, uh, eighth in the desert uh, at the Shriners, which, again, is um, a good pointer, uh, hopefully, for this week. And, of course, uh, a solid performance last week to finish 12th at the Sony. And again, what leads me to Buckley this week is he is um, an excellent ball striker. He's an excellent tee to green player. Um, he's not a bad putter, to be fair either. His putting stats this season aren't, uh, aren't uh, you know, we're not we're not talking a Jason Duffner or a Russell Knox. Um, uh, but um, yeah, he's um, uh, he's uh, not uh, not one of your typical uh, can't buy a putt ball strikers. Uh, he's um, uh, a much more solid on the greens than that. So uh, he's a player that um, hasn't got too many holes. Although his tee to green game is undoubtedly his um, his main strength. And if we look at his weekend at the Sony, he only actually missed one fairway over the whole weekend, which is pretty impressive stuff from him. So I do like Buckley on this course or on these courses. Um, he's not got any history here, obviously, but he looks to me like the type of player who could take to this event. He played the BMW Pro-Am on the Corn Ferry last year and finished eighth, so I'm hoping that uh, he likes the uh, relaxed Pro-Am vibe, if you like. And as a rookie, of course, um, having that Pro-Am vibe over the first three days and not... Uh, having the possibility of, you know, teeing it up alongside a Ram or a Cantlay until the final day, if, if you happen to be in the mix, uh, has to be an advantage. Uh, he can quietly go about his business across the three courses, out, out of the glare of the, of the big names, and, um, yeah, see, see where he is come Saturday evening. And 
he looks like he's got enough about him that if he is there come Sunday, he's not, um, you know, whilst there'll be a learning curve there, of course, uh, potentially, uh, he doesn't look like the type of player who'll fall, fall apart um, uh, under, under the gun. He's um, already, as I say, posted, uh, you know, two top tens on tour. The fourth at Sanderson's was hugely impressive. Uh, and uh, we know he knows how to win. So um, I think uh, he will take to this event and I'm happy to roll the dice on him on the back of last week's really strong performance. Uh, 125 to 1, one point each way. A song for Hayden and uh, it's not Hayden Buckley, it's going to be Jeff Buckley and um, I know it's not Christmas but uh, when do you not want to listen to uh, Jeff Buckley's version of Alleluia uh, it's obviously a Lennon Cohen song originally and um, it was from Buckley's 1994 album Grace, uh, those who know a bit about Jeff Buckley's background will know that he tragically died in 1997 uh, drowned um swimming and um yeah uh obviously incredibly sad but uh his version of hallelujah is um by far and away the best version i've ever heard of that song and uh yeah it's incredible so uh any chance to get that on the pod um hallelujah um sung by jeff buckley Our third pick for the week is Adam Svensson. And again, I'm looking at a player who performed well last week, uh, certainly caught the eye. We know a little bit about Svensson. This is his second time round the block on the PGA Tour. And he's posted three Corn Ferry Tour wins uh, along the way already. And something just, you know, that might well be in the back of Adam's mind is that uh, his first Corn Ferry Tour win actually came in this corresponding week back in 2018. He, he made his seasonal debut the week before, played solidly, and then posted a victory in the Bahamas. So um, that's a nice little quirk, if you like, that uh, may well be in the back of Adam's mind. And he's available 100 to 1, fifth of the odds, first eight. Again, it's one point each way. It's one point each way on all our picks this week. And we are looking at those odds with Sky and Paddy Power Betfair. So, yeah, um, Svensson took a trip around the block uh, on the PGA Tour back in the 18-19 season. And to be honest, it didn't go very well for him. Uh, he lost his card and it was back to the drawing board uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, however, noticeably in that season, he did post one of his best results in this event. So, from that point of view, it looks to me as though uh, this is, um, you know, again, a set of courses that uh, should suit him well. So he arrives here in confident mood. Uh, his seventh place last week at the Sony Open is his best finish since he's um, been on the PGA Tour. And his approach play was really solid last week. I believe he was sixth uh, in approach play. And uh, again, you know, if you um, if you hit the ball well into the greens this week, you'll get plenty of birdie looks. And, um, you know, with the nice friendly, amateur-friendly pin positions and friendly greens, you know, f find the greens, um, you'll be making some putts and making some birdies. So the seventh last week was... Yeah, as I say, his best result since he's been on tour. And I'm sure it's not a coincidence, and this is another good pointer for why Svensson is potentially a man to keep an eye on going forward, that he had a new caddy on the bag last week. And I'm trusting this wasn't a one-off and um, is a bit more of an ongoing relationship. Tim Tucker, 
who, as those um, plenty of you all know, is uh, or was Bryson DeChambeau's long-suffering caddy. Uh, I say long-suffering, I'm sure he got paid very well for his suffering. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, Tim Tucker has appeared on the bag of um, Adam Svensson. And the effect was, you know, immediately seen last week. Um, a lot of people think Svensson will make a much better fist of it this time around than he did in his debut season on the PGA Tour. Of course, he had the two wins on the Corn Ferry last season, so he's a proven winner and we'd expect him to perform much better this time around. However, um, to be fair, it hadn't started particularly well before Christmas and um, he hadn't really produced anything of note. Um, I think his best finish had been in Bermuda, but um, he... Really hit the ground last week at the Sony, and Tucker's influence uh, will surely be massive, his experience there. And if you put that alongside, as I say, the, the good performance here a few years ago and the momentum he brings from uh, Honolulu, and, um, yeah, he, he looks, uh, to me, primed to push on and have another good week. So I'm happy to again be on board at three figure odds this week. So that's uh, Adam Svensson, one point each way, 100 to one. Adam sounds as though he's Swedish, but he's not. He's Canadian. And um, we're going to have a song by a Canadian band. Obviously, it's got to be Arcade Fire. And uh, it's uh, Rebellion Lies from their debut album Funeral. Uh, it was released as a single in 2005 and it's a belter. So any chance to get Arcade Fire on the pod. Just a reminder, you can listen to all of the tracks on the playlist afterwards. I'll be posting a link out to the playlist so you can get that via Spotify. A few people have asked me if it's possible to actually post clips of the songs in the pod, which I would, of course, love to do. And whilst you can't play full songs, uh, it was suggested that you, I might be able to play some clips, 20-second clips, something like that. I've done. I've started looking into that, and I think, unfortunately, from a copyright point of view, that's still not available. I think it's a bit of an urban myth that you can put 20-second uh, clips into your podcast of, of uh, copyrighted songs i will continue to look into that and if anyone has any info on that uh, that might be able to help me please let me know but um, sadly at the moment um, i don't think i can play the clips in the pod but as i say i'll be posting the link out to all the songs on the spotify playlist afterwards so our fourth pick this week and we've got six uh, picks this week our fourth pick is going to be andrew putnam Another one at three-figure odds. Another one who performed well uh, or solidly, not not quite as um, strongly as uh, Svensson and Buckley last week, but played solidly. And what I like about Putnam this week, who's available at 125 to 1, uh, again, one point each way, fifth of the odds, first eight, with Paddy Power Betfair. What I like about Andrew this week is, first and foremost, his desert form and... His one tour title to date came in the Barracuda in 2018, and he's also had a runner-up finish there as well. He was seventh last year in Phoenix. He was 11th in the fall fairly recently at the Shriners, so we know he likes a trip to the desert. And if we look at how he's played here over the years and also how he's played in his second start of the calendar year, there's some very promising signs there. So when he's played here... In his second start of the year, he's finished 
21st, 17th and 10th on the last three occasions he's played here in his second start of the year. The one time he played here on his third start of the year and didn't perform so well, his second start of the year had been in the Sony the week before and he'd finished second. So there was a little bit of a mental letdown. I say he didn't perform so well. He was still top 40, but uh, he had had a chance to you know, really um, take on the trophy at the Sony and uh, understandably he wasn't quite at the races the following week. Uh, That week he had, or that year I should say, he'd played in the Century Tournament of Champions the first week, so he'd warmed up there and then he went and produced the goods in the Sony. So so we look at his last four starts in his second start of the year, as it were. We've had 21st, 17th, 10th and 2nd. And he clearly likes it here in this event. He likes it in the desert. And last week at the Sony, whilst he didn't pull up any trees, his effort was eye-catching, shall we say. 27th place. A typical year opener. Some up and down days, some up and down stats. But I would expect him to push on from that this week, as he has done every other year in his second effort, basically, of late. And we know he's a player as well. In fact, he's won. Um, Obviously, the event he won was a a lower key event, an opposite field event. But we know he can compete with the big boys, if you like. He's got a top five to his name in the WGC out in China. He had a top five in Bay Hill last year. So he's not afraid to mix it in the, the bigger events. And I don't think he would be completely overawed if he were up against a Rahm or a Cantley on Sunday. So uh, he wouldn't be favourite, of course. But yeah, he, he's not um, not a player that, um, you know, has shown he's uh, he, he, he's sort of liable to crumble at the uh, first sight of a big name. So uh, I like the look of Andrew Putnam to push on from last week and um, deliver another strong week in the desert. So it's Andrew Putnam, one point each way, 125 to one, fifth of the odds, first eight. No song for Andrew, I'm afraid. If anyone's got any ideas for Andrew Putnam, let me know. Uh, when I said I had no songs for Taylor Gooch, someone did suggest a Taylor Gooch song to me last week, and that's uh, gone down the notebook. So thank you. Uh, uh, I forget who that was, but thank you to that person. And if anyone's got any ideas for Andrew Putnam, I'll gratefully receive them. But uh, uh, in the meantime, nothing for Andrew this week. And we shall move on to our fifth pick, who is the aforementioned Sepp Strucker. And... Again, people who have been following me for quite a long time now will maybe remember in the back of their mind that uh, we had a very nice touch with Sepp Stracker in this very event two years ago when I was on board at 300 to 1 and he um, gave us a full place return. So um, that was an excellent week um, from Sepp. And this week, I'm going to chance him one point each way at 250 to 1, fifth of the odds, first eight. If you want to be a little bit more cautious, we've got Boyles going their normal 10 places, and it's 150 to 1 with Boyles for 10 places, but uh, 250 to 1 for eight places with Sepp Strecker. And uh, what do I like about Sepp this week? Well, it's basically the same thing I liked about him when um, uh, I went with him here uh, a couple of years back. Again, it was, the same, I suppose, the same thing that sort of led me to Buckley this week as a debut, um, someone making their debut on this course. He's a really solid ball striker when he's on song, and he 
is a player who I just felt would take to a Pete Dye design. And we'd had a little bit of history with that and the fact that he'd been third in the web.com, uh, as it was back then, tour championship, which was back then played on a uh, Pete Dye course. I think uh, Dye's Valley over at Sawgrass um, um, area. So he he'd arrived that week uh, a couple of years ago on the back of a 65 on sunday at the sony which uh, um was a sort of upturn in form um, from anything he'd been producing at the back end of the previous year uh, other than out of the blue top five at houston and i just felt that um, he was worth rolling the dice with as someone i thought would take to the track and he performed excellently that week and he shot 65 66 around the stadium course and was bogey free and that's really what you get with Seth Stracker he's shown us since he's been on tour that if he likes a course he can pop up and play well there even if he's missed his previous four cuts or something like that so um, his form coming in isn't necessarily hugely critical having said that he shot that 65 that year at the Sony a week before, and he shot a 65 again last year at the Sony uh, before coming on to miss the cut here. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, be a precursor to the fact he's going to play great. But, um, yeah, obviously a 250 to 1 shot, what would you expect? And this year, lo and behold, he shot 65 at the Sony yesterday. So let's hope that uh, yesterday's 65, where he had his best approach play day of the week he gains strokes every day in his approach play but um uh, he was at his best yesterday so that shows his iron play was improving every day and um let's hope that's precursor to a performance uh, more akin to what we saw here a couple of years ago um last year although he didn't play well here he went on to post a 10th place, again, pretty much out of the blue at the Travellers, which, again, is the die design that we've talked about earlier. So another link to the fact we know he likes him, um, likes himself a Pete die track. So, yeah, I'm happy to roll the dice with Sep this week and chance that he can pop up as he does every now and again at big odds, 250 to 1. Uh, I've taken the eight places. I've not um, uh, not taken the slightly more squeamish roost for 10 places. I've taken the eight places and um, we're going to chance that uh, he can do what he did for us a couple of years ago and build on the 65 on Sunday at the Sony and produce another strong week. So a song for Sep and... And we're going to have some Franz Ferdinand. And those of us who did our history at school will remember the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his place in history uh, and his Austrian heritage. And Sepp is, of course, Austrian. So we'll have some Franz Ferdinand and it'll be Take Me Out from their self-titled debut album from 2004, a song that most people will remember, I'm sure. So it's Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Rattling through it this week because I'm conscious I don't want to overran. I managed to uh, break my uh, mantra last week on timing. So um, having said I was going to try and keep things to 45 minutes, I went over that last week. So I suspect I will again this week with six picks, but uh, trying to rattle through a little bit. So our sixth and final pick for the week is going to be Ryan Moore. And this really is a... A curveball, shall we say. There is nothing in Ryan Moore's form that would be leading us to think that he's going to be winning in the desert this week, um, just as there wasn't in Andrew Landry and Adam Longs, of course. 
And what's leading me to Ryan Moore this week is it's a case of needs must for him. And the needs must is that he has four starts left to bag 94 FedEx Cup points and keep his full playing privileges. He uh, is with us at the moment on a major medical uh, as a result of a back problem that he's had. Uh, he did pop up with a John Deere last year with a second place when he'd literally done nothing for ages and that managed to get him in the top 150 of the FedEx Cup. So if he doesn't manage to get the FedEx Cup points he needs now to satisfy the major medical, it's not complete disaster. He'll still get a reasonable amount of starts on that 125 to 150 status. But I'm just going to take a chance that Ryan steps up when he needs it. He's got four starts left. He's been pretty much missing cut after cut and the starts have been dwindling and he's not been adding to the FedEx Cup tally that he needs to satisfy the medical. His odds this week obviously reflect where his game is at. So he's available at um, 250s for eight places or 175s for 10 places. And here, I've actually gone with the 10 places. I've gone the 175 to 1, fifth of the odds, first 10, because basically a top 10 will get him that 94 FedEx Cup points that he needs. And, of course, come Sunday, he would quite happily settle for ninth place outright on that basis. So, yeah, um, I'm going to be a little bit more cautious here and take the uh, 10 places. If you look at what Ryan's been doing of late, he's... Been and of course, it's the pressure mounting on him for this um, uh, status that he needs to satisfy. He's been missing cuts on a number, uh, he can't buy a putt, and his long game is still as solid as ever. He's, he's um, well, he's, he's off the tee anyway. His driving accuracy has been fantastic. He was 20th last week in accuracy. Uh, at the Sony for the two rounds he played, and on Friday, he was actually bogey free, but he just couldn't by a putt. He was 127th in putting. To be fair to Ryan, he hasn't been to Wireline for, well, to be honest, I'm not sure he's ever been there, but he probably has in the earlier stage of his career, but he certainly hasn't been there for many a year, so the Greens would have been fairly unfamiliar to him. Whereas this week, he does have a bit of history in, in this uh, part of the world, and he was sixth on his seasonal, or sorry, the yearly debut here in 2020. So, from that point of view, we know he can play well here. And I'm just trusting that um, he keeps finding his fairways, he finds some greens, and he actually holds some putts on some greens he knows. And again, with the more relaxed Pro-Am format, he can just keep his head down, go about his business, and hopefully put himself in a decent position come, come Saturday evening. And um, as I say, we saw at the John Deere last year, on a course he likes and can compete on with his lack of length off the tee. Um, he can still get the job done. So I'm going to chance Ryan Moore at 175 to 1 for the 10 places. No song for Ryan, I'm afraid. So let's move on to this week's free bet winner. And um, yeah, one more song for the playlist. And some fantastic suggestions again this week. Thank you very much for all your suggestions. Rattling through a few of them. Uh, we've got uh, JP Kirch has come up with Hotel California by the Eagles. Paul Williams with Shopper's Paradise by Carter. Uh, Carter will get on eventually. People seem to be a campaign to get Carter on here. Um, a couple of suggestions for 
Californication from uh, Tintin and Snowy and uh, James Golf Bowler. And uh, James also come up with Celebrity Skin by Hole, which uh, is a cracking tune. And um, I'm sure we will hear eventually. What else we got? Uh, no One Knows by Queen of the Stone Age. I guess no one knows who's going to win this week. Um, thank you, JGO, for suggesting that. Um, Money by Pink Floyd from Chris Lofthouse. Plenty of that around in Park Palm Springs. That'll Do Nicely by Bad Manners. Um, I don't remember that. I must admit, I remember Bad Manners, but I don't remember that. Um, that was suggested by Big Day Buses. Um, A.R. Thompson came up with National Express by Divine Comedy. Uh, uh, on the basis that lots of people uh, travel around uh, around California and the States in um, buses, which uh, I know they do, so on the Greyhound, etc. Uh, several more. Sorry if I haven't mentioned your selection. Apologies. Um, I imagine it's hard to get uh, to mention them all, but I do go through them all, please do be assured. But this week, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with a suggestion from McNulty and Quiet Life by Japan. Uh, it's an obvious connection to Hideki. Um, I'm only going to be rolling out Japan when um, uh, Hideki or Satoshi, I guess, are in the uh, in the mix. Um, or um, yeah, uh, likely Hideki, uh, Hideki or Satoshi. So I might as well use it when I can. And it's Quiet Life by Japan from their 1979 album, Quiet Life. And that is the winner of this week's £5 free bet. So uh, well done, McNulty. If you could message me with your selection for this week by 6pm UK time tomorrow, Tuesday, I will then put your bet on tomorrow evening, win only bet on the exchange. And um, hopefully you can go even closer than um, last week's winner did who had Kevin Kisner and came up just short in third place, which was uh, a shame for us all because I was on kids as well. So, so before we wrap up this week, um, some exciting news. And next week, I will be having uh, my first guest on the pod. I know I've been flying solo for the first three weeks, but the aim is more weeks than not to have a guest on. Uh, I know... Um, the sound of my voice only can probably get a bit dull. So uh, uh, I'm going to be mixing it up with some guests. And next week, I shall be having uh, the godfather of golf betting, as I um, consider him. Dave Tindall will be joining me on the show. Uh, Dave is a, um, uh, as, as those of you who know Dave, he uh, writes for Betfair. He uh, hosts several podcasts. Uh, he's been in this uh business for uh, many a year and um, I'm sure I'll, I'll be asking Dave a little bit about his background next week and I will also be asking Dave about his music taste next week because he is a fellow music lover and I'll be asking him to bring some picks to the table next week and we'll be chatting through uh, our music selections and of course our uh, golf selections for next week's trip to Tory Pines for the Farmers Insurance Open so really looking forward to having Dave on the show next week. So before I sign off, um, a quick recap of um, what we've uh, got on the table this week. So first of all, our picks. And um, first up, it is Russell Knox, one point each way, fifth of the odds, first eight at 70 to one um, with uh, Betfair Paddy Power. Uh, then we have Hayden Buckley, one point each way, 125 to 1. Again, fifth of the odds, first eight, uh, Paddy Power Betfair. 
Our third pick is Adam Svensson, uh, 100 to 1, 50 odds first eight, Sky and Paddy and Betfair. Fourth pick, Andrew Putnam, 125 to 1, fifth of the odds first eight, once more Paddy and Betfair. Sepp Stracker, our fifth pick, one point each way at 250s, or if you want the 10 places with Boyles at 150s. And finally, Ryan Moore at, I've gone for the 175 to 1 for the 10 places with Boyles, but there's um, uh, 250s for eight places, um, uh, pretty much with everyone who's offering eight places. Uh, our songs for the week, we started off with Garlands by the Cocteau Twins in honour of Hideki's win out in Honolulu. Then our second song, Into the Valley by the Skids, uh, in honour of the fact we're heading into the valley this week uh, down at the Coachella Valley in Palm Springs. Our third pick is Cali by Ride. Again, another California dedicated song. Our fourth pick in honour of Russell Knox, or our fourth tune, is Moving On Up by Primal Scream, his fellow Scots. And our fifth song for the playlist is Alleluia by Jeff Buckley in honour of Aidan Buckley. Aidan Buckley. And then we've got Arcade Fire Rebellion for fellow Canadian Adam Svensson. We have Franz Ferdinand and Take Me Out for our Austrian pick this week, Sepp Stracker. And finally, our winning free bet pick, Quiet Life by Japan, um, picked by McNulty. So well done again, McNulty. So that's it for the week. Good luck with your bets. Let's hope we can land one of those big each ways, if not uh, not the big fish, Adam Long and uh, Andrew Landry style. And don't forget... Enjoy the music and turn it up loud.